0: Here is another powerful message from New Vision Baptist Church in Murfreesboro, Tennessee. To hear the rest of this series and others, join us at newvisionlife.com. Happy Mother's Day to all you moms uh, out there. We're excited that you're here. Let me go ahead and apologize. I have heard all morning that parking has been bad and it was tough getting in here today, so I'm sorry. I I know that's... That's a hard experience. Let me just tell you this: I can tell some of the looks. You're like, "Yeah, you better be." I was miserable. I don't know if I love Jesus now after that experience. Um, help is on the way. We have about a 300-space parking uh, place that's right, a uh, parking lot that's coming in uh, this time next year. We should be there, so you won't even have to come into this uh, parking lot. You'll be able to enter in and exit another way, so that's going to be helpful. In the meantime. Uh, our shuttles are still running. Park at uh, Murfreesboro Medical Clinic back here uh, behind us. Or let me tell you something else. Thursday night there is good parking. I'm telling you. If you're one of those who loves to get right up there at the very front, we can have you that. So um, that's there on Thursday night as well. But we're glad you're here. If you have your Bible, uh, let's. Uh, that still didn't warm you guys up, did it? I can. I was hoping it would, but didn't do it. Sorry. If you have your Bibles, go ahead and open them up to Revelation chapter 2. And I know what you're thinking, Mother's Day message from Revelation, sweet, nice. We're going to look at the dragon, the beast, what are we looking at today? That would be, sounds good. We're studying through uh, the book of Revelation, and so if you weren't here last week, I I very seldom do this because it just feels self-serving and weird. But uh, I would encourage you to go back online, go to our website, and just listen to last week's message because for the next eight weeks we're studying through the first three chapters of the book of Revelation, and if you really missed chapter 1, it really makes the rest of what we're doing uh, really kind of difficult to sort of pick up with. So I'd encourage you to do that uh, as well. Now, today, here's why I think this fits really well for Mother's Day. You just heard the passage we're going to look at read. But I, I think every mom at some level would agree with this. You would love to return to that first love experience, that first love experience in marriage if you're married here today. Because maybe things have just gotten busy and grown a little bit cold in your love relationship and your marriage. Maybe with your children, things have gotten just difficult and tough. You find yourself just being super exhausted all the time. And you'd love just to get back to that first love uh, with your kids. But more than anything, inside your relationship with Christ, somewhere along the line, things have just grown a little bit uh, Difficult, and your love has grown cold, and you'd love to go back to those early days and experience that first love with Christ. That—that's what we're going to see uh, today. How we can really recapture uh, first love. So let's take a look. Starting in Revelation chapter two, let's look at verse one. It Says to the angel of the church at Ephesus, write. So. This is the messenger to the church at Ephesus. This this letter was meant to be read in a local church, the church at Ephesus, one of seven letters we're going to take a look at. This was the, the first letter to be read. The Lord Jesus, when he appears to John on the island of Patmos, which we saw last week in chapter one, Jesus has a message for John. After showing him unveiling, that's what revelation means, unveiling his glory, John gets to see Jesus for who he really is, King Jesus, and then Jesus has a message. For John to give to these seven churches And the first of these churches Is the church at Ephesus Now if you're like me Maybe a few of you would say Just kind of give me some context Where was Ephesus well, if you think about the nation of Israel, you see Israel to the south. You see Egypt to the north of Israel today, Lebanon and Syria. And just to the north of Lebanon uh, would be Turkey, modern-day Turkey. Well, well, Ephesus was a city in modern-day Turkey, a first-century city, which was it was probably the fourth-largest city in the Roman Empire at the end of the first century. And one of the things about Ephesus, this church at Ephesus, After Rome came in and destroyed Jerusalem in about 70 AD, uh, most would say that Ephesus was the preeminent church In the first century. So, this is a great church. Acts chapter 19 tells us that the gospel sprang forth from Ephesus. So, Ephesus was a church who was sending missionaries, sending church planners all over the world. So, this is not a run of the mill church. This is a great church. This is, in fact, a church that the Apostle Paul started. That that looks pretty good, right? I mean, the greatest missionary and church planner in the history of the world starts your church. That's pretty cool. Uh, Paul also spent this is fascinating to me. You go back and you read Acts. Paul spent about three years in Ephesus on his first journey. And while he was there, every single day the scripture says he reasoned with folks and taught the scriptures at the lecture hall of Tyrannius. And so what historians say is these Ephesian believers in the middle of the day, because in this culture, if you... Uh, even today, if you go to the Middle East, the middle of the day is just so hot, too hot to work. Uh, they would take a break in the middle of the day. And these believers, instead of going home and taking a nap and resting, they would go and hear Paul preach in the heat of the day for two hours. That's a lot, isn't it? And he did this for over two years, and so he taught the truth. So this, is a, this was a great church. Now, it says, it says this, to the angel of the church at Ephesus write, The words of him, let's finish out verse, verse 1. The words of him who holds the seven stars in his right hand. Right hand is a, a position of power and strength. This is talking about Jesus, that Jesus holds the seven stars in his hand. And what's taking place, if you read Revelation 7 is a number that keeps coming up. It's a number of completion or a number of fullness. So it says that the Lord Jesus holds the seven stars in his hand. And so it says he is in control of all things. If He, he holds everything in his hand. And his power and his might, he is sovereign over everything. But for this first century church, it didn't feel like that. That. They need to be reminded of that because the Roman Empire during this time is, is, in, is bringing about intense persecution on the church, the likes of which that we have really never seen. And so it's just a reminder to these believers that God is still in control. And can I tell you something today? No matter what your circumstance and situations are, you listen to me? No matter what your circumstance and the situations are, the Lord Jesus is still in control, the one who holds the seven stars in his right hand, and we can be encouraged by that. And it goes on to say that the Lord Jesus, at the end of of verse 1, who walks among the seven golden lampstands. Now, this is the fourth service of the weekend. Um, The other three have not done well here. And so I'm hoping, I'm pinning my hopes uh, for my afternoon on you guys as a teacher because last week we kind of broke down some of the symbolisms in Revelation, right? You remember? We explained some symbols and and you, you guys who were here last week began to be a little bit of an expert in the book of Revelation. The lampstand represent, the seven golden lampstands represented what? Churches. Great, that was eight of you. That's better than we had in any of the other service. That's right, it represents the lampstand. So where's Jesus? He's among these lampstands. This is where he is. He's passionate about his church. He's at work in the midst of his church. Why a lampstand? Because a lampstand is to light a dark, dark world. And so Jesus is saying if there's hope for this dark world, it is through the church. And then, verse 2. It's report card day. I mean, can you imagine, can you get in your mind's eye for just a second? Forget how hard it was to get in here today. You're here now, right? So let's just, let's just relax a little bit. Here's the pastor, and he stands before this great church at Ephesus and said, I have a letter penned by none other than the apostle John who received this information directly from Jesus, and he wanted me to read this to our church because this is a letter to our church. That would get your attention, wouldn't it? And so, and it's not just to the church at Ephesus, it's obviously for us. But here's what the Lord says about the church at Ephesus. He said, I know your works, your toil, and your patient endurance So this is their report card. He said, I know that you work in Ephesus. You you work almost to the point of exhaustion and how you cannot bear those who are evil and tested those who call themselves to be apostles and are not and found themselves to be false. Now, one of the things, watch this, one of the things that Ephesus did so well, not only did they serve so well, and you might ask, well, what do do you mean by serving? Like, they had Bible school in the first century. What are we talking about here? One of the things that took place in Ephesus, we know, is believers from all over the Roman Empire would come to Ephesus to be trained. It was a center of training, and then they would go back uh, to their hometowns. And so while they were there training in Ephesus, they would have had to be fed. They would have had to been taken care of. And so whenever there was a need, the church at Ephesus met that need to take care of those who were, were, were there, but they also knew truth. Part of this is because they had listened to Paul teach for three years. And so Ephesus, the city of Ephesus was a city of, of just intense paganism and immorality. In fact, prostitution was legalized in Ephesus. Um, archaeologists have have showed us, and we even had some of our folks Thursday night who were here who have traveled to uh, ancient Ephesus and seen the ruins, there was a a library that was uncovered in ancient Ephesus. And there was a tunnel underneath the library to what amounted to a brothel, a house of prostitution that was there. And so the immorality was just intense and and the false teaching. There were over 50 different temples to to pagan gods that were there in Ephesus. So what's the point? The church at Ephesus knew the truth and they stood for the truth. They were intolerant of wickedness and, and false beliefs. And even when people would come into their meetings and teach and didn't teach the correct way of Christ, they were able to quickly identify them because they knew the word of God so up to this point their report card looks really good Right, This church looks looks really, really good. Now, verse 3, I know you are enduring patiently and bearing up for my name's sake. So they're having to put up with, with persecution, and they're following Jesus, but they understand something that most Christians, watch this, most Christians in our culture do not understand. Many times in Christians in our culture, in our Western culture, when we experience just a little bit of persecution, we think, you know what? Well, that doesn't make sense. God, I can't believe I'm going through this trial or this testing. It must mean that you don't love me. They understood that that was a part of their journey. And they kept pursuing uh, Christ. Now, verse 4 is when the music changed. You know, I, I remember growing up, this is like report card day for the church, right? I mean, the pastor stands and said, this is how, this is, Jesus is going to talk to us about how we're doing as a church. It's report card day. Like when I was growing up, you know, Amy and I, is experience, my wife and I, our experience with report card day was different. I mean, I think she made like one B in high school and, and I did too. I was just super excited about mine. She was really discouraged uh, uh, about hers. And so she she looked forward to that. I'm, I'm, I'm dreading that. My, my boys carried on that legacy for for their dad. Were super Super excited about that. So so verse 4 is is like, you know, all the grades come in, and then here's math here at the bottom, right? But the Lord says, I have this against you. All these things you've done well, but you have abandoned the love you had at first. Church of Ephesus, you have lost your first love. And then verse 5 is such a great passage. In fact, verse 5 is an outline for how to rekindle and recapture first love in every relationship that you have in your life, most importantly in your relationship with Christ. In one verse. Isn't that amazing? In one verse, the Lord teaches us how to recapture first love. Before I read it, before I read it, can I ask you this question? And, and, and you don't have to raise your hand. You don't have to nod. You don't have to do anything like that. I, I, I know you're just you're listening. Do you want that? Like, would you love to get back to the way it was at the beginning in your relationship with the Lord, the joy, the excitement, the peace, the fullness that was there? I mean, I think all of us as believers at some level would say, man, that would be sweet. That would be sweet. Well, here's how it happens. Verse 5. Remember, therefore, from where you have fallen. And you might want to just write this outline in the margin of your Bible. We want you to use your Bible like a life textbook. That's what it is. Write the word remember. Remember from where you have fallen. Remember what it was like in the early days of Jesus. Repent. Turn away from the sin in your life that's really edging God out and do the works you did at first. Here's an outline. Remember, repent, and repeat. You could just write that in your margin. Remember, repent, and repeat. It is an outline for revitalizing, really broken relationships in our life most notably with Christ and then listen to this listen to this powerful statement an intense statement the Lord says if you do not if you if you will not I will come to you and remove your lampstand from its place unless you repent this was a strong warning for the greatest church in the first century That if they didn't repent of their sin and be drawn back to their first love with Christ, then God would remove their lampstand. What What does that mean? Well, it could mean that he would remove their witness in in this dark world. And I think that is in play for us too if we don't take this seriously today. So if you have your notes, let's go ahead and take them out for just a moment. I want to share a couple things very quickly from this passage I think that could help you. The church at Ephesus is really all head, no heart. And I... I shared this Thursday night. I haven't shared it the rest of the morning for some reason. I don't know why. Maybe somebody needs to hear this. Like, I grew up in church in the 70s and the 80s with people who knew a lot of Bible. Like I grew up in the age of the Bible drill. Any of you remember Bible drill? I, I grew up where you went to Sunday school, you went to worship, you came back for something called training union, was like which was Sunday school on Sunday night. I remember that. And then you went to evening worship. So that was four things in, in one day on Sunday. I mean, yeah. And, and we had, a, we had, a, we had a, 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 this Bible drill club that you would go to and you learn verses and where everything was. We had competitions. It was a wild time, man, I tell you. Crazy. <laughs> but here's my point. And I, this may not be your experience. I grew up with a lot of people who knew a lot of Bible, but just didn't have a lot of love. Uh, they were very knowledgeable, just not the most compassionate and gracious and forgiving people that I'd ever ever met. And I don't know if that was your experience. that was really kind of my experience. but in many ways, it's way that the church at Ephesus was that way. They were doctrinally sound, but just practically. It just didn't have a lot of grace and have a lot of mercy. I want to say this, I'm going to say it multiple times because this is where it could be so confusing. You guys in the balcony, can you, you hear all right up there? I can't. You there? You're just a little wave would help. Yeah, I see you up there. Yeah. I would be sitting up there too if I was you, man. That'd be where I would be. Um, but here's the thing they were intolerant of sin, which is a good thing. And it's not in vogue in our culture today, right? If you're intolerant of sin, listen, we ought to take a stand for life, which we do here, which is not popular in our culture. We ought to take a stand for marriage, which is not popular in our, our, our culture. We ought to take a stand for the purity of sex inside of marriage between a husband and a wife. That is not popular in our culture. Uh, we ought to take a stand for this, that there's only salvation in one name, the name of Jesus Christ. Do you understand that? We, ought to, we, we, we take a stand for that. That's not popular in our culture. So, we are intolerant of those who don't believe that, but we're, we're, we're tolerant of their belief system, but we are tolerant of them as human beings created in the image of God. Does that make sense? Intolerant of the belief system, but tolerant of them as people. Ephesus didn't have that, right? They were intolerant of the belief system and also intolerant of the person. All had no heart. And, and, and here's a strong, strong word for the church. The church that loses its first love will also lose its light. So that gets my attention here because I don't want that. Man, can I, can I tell you about just this? I love what's happening here. And it is in spite of me, not because of me. And that is absolutely the truth. Man, Thursday night, great time of worship here, Saul, folks. But every service today, multiple people have been baptized. It's the coolest thing. Um, on uh, Friday, we had Man Church here, which was really cool. Uh, and we had a great time. Yesterday, yesterday. Uh, folks were here, ladies were here for a Mother's Day celebration, incarcerated women were here gathered in this room uh, for teaching and for worship. Uh, about two months ago, I have to tell you this story, it's my favorite story of the weekend, right? Are you ready? I'm more excited about it than you are. We, we had a Thursday night service, we baptized some ladies, some inmates on this Thursday night. One of the ladies that we baptized, I, was, I just got a chance to be up there and baptize some of the ladies. Uh, And uh, you could tell she was so excited about Christ. She had heard the gospel while she was incarcerated. She would put her faith and trust in Christ. And and her her countenance was so different. It was so changed. So she is so excited about being baptized. So we come out to to baptize her. And as soon as she walks out, a little girl sitting right right back in here just yells out, Mama, It's, it's hard to even say it. It was her baby girl. She had not seen her mom. She had not hugged her mom, touched her mom in so long. And when she saw her mom walk out in that baptistry, she was so overwhelmed. She just yelled out. And you just to see that mom just turn to her little girl, she kind of stood up in the baptistry to look at her. It was an amazing. It was an amazing moment. I can tell the moms that you're seeing it. You're feeling that. Well, yesterday that little girl was here. She heard the gospel of Jesus Christ. She put her faith and trust in Christ, and she's going to be baptized like her mom. Isn't that cool? So praise God for that. Um, well, I love stuff like Don't you? I love stuff like that. But, and God lets us taste stuff like that, which is just so cool. But if we aren't serious about what God is calling us to as a church, that can be over so quickly right? It could be over so quickly. And so we have to come to these letters of these churches in Revelation and look at them and come under them. Not like, man, the church needed to hear that in the first century. No, we need to hear this today, right? Do you see that? Are you, 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 you with me there? So how do we return to our, our, our first love? Well, we see it in verse 5. We have to remember from where we remember what it was like at the beginning. We have to repent of things that have really edged God out, and then we have to repeat the things we've done at, at first. Now, let's go. Let's take a look at our outline here. Let's look at the first thing. How do we really return to our our, our first love? Look, look at the first point that you have in your, in your outline. Here it is, and I, I think it will make sense to us as we flesh it out just a little bit. Uh, remembering the start of a relationship, remembering the start of a relationship rekindles first love. If you will remember the start of a relationship, it will rekindle first love in marriage. Um, Amy's here. My wife is here. I, I've been thinking about this, and... Um, It is so true uh, in our marriage. You know, we have a good marriage. I'm thankful for our marriage. But I know she would tell you the same thing. It could be better. And one of the things that would make it better, I think, is just remembering how it was at the start. Because that rekindles that love relationship. I I remember when we met. I've told this story hundreds of times. We were on a double date. She was out with somebody else, and I fell in love with her that night just listening to her talk. I thought she was beautiful. I knew she loved Jesus, and I just hadn't met anybody like that. So I set out for the next six months to get her and her boyfriend broken up, successfully was able to do that. This is one of the greatest moves in my life, very strategic. And... um, Man, just spending time with her in those early days, I just could not get enough uh, uh, of her in thinking about those times. I think about times of just playing cards in the dorm. We do that, just just cool, cool stuff that I, I just love. And sometimes it's important just to remember how it was at first. With your kids, man, you can get worn out, right? Get worn out. I mean, it's exhausting raising kids. And we, we have a picture. I'm not going to show you it because it's, it doesn't look good. Um, when my first son, not because of it, my first son was born... Man, I'm holding him, and I'm just covered in sweat. I mean, my wife is sitting She just gave birth. She looks good. I'm just like, man, I'm done. But I, I, I'm a 22-year-old dude holding this little baby boy. I never really experienced anything like it. It was so cool. And sometimes, especially when they're like 16, you need to go back and look at those pictures. like, Because like, you you got to remember how it was at first, don't you? I would say between 14 and 2023. 20, just, just go back and remember. Remember how it was. At first, um, you're taking care of an aging parent and it's hard and it's difficult, but just remember how they cared for you in those early days as a child and how they loved you and served you. See, remembering just really rekindles first love. Uh, Amy has a dog. Um, it's, a, it's a half Bichon, half Shih Tzu. It's a, it's a, it's a Fru-Fru dog. He's 11 and he has just recently gone completely nuts. He's lost it. He's, he has lost it. It's been a good run for him, but he's gone nuts. And uh, what he does, our bedroom, it's uh, hardwood floors in our bedroom. He runs around about midnight. We go to bed early. So, like, I don't know, somewhere around 12, 1230. He starts, it's like the Talladega Speedway. Man, he is just sprinting circles in our bedroom. He's going crazy. And it's like, it's terrible, right? And so, uh, I think it was Wednesday night. I just, I, I get up. I'm tired. I just scoop him up, and I'm taking him down to throw, put, put him in the kennel, <laughs> be careful, <laughs> place him gently in, the, in the, his kennel, and uh, I, I mean, in my mind, I'm thinking, it's been a good run for you, bro, like you're, you know, you're 77, it's probably okay that you go home now, and, and thinking of ways to do that, but I didn't. And you know, and so you know amy she she 's talking to me about then, and she says, "You know what, remember when he was a puppy, how cute he was. yeah, remember all those times when you know you're just sick or kind of laid up, and he just sat up in your lap and was right there. Uh, it even works with crazy dogs, right just to to remember. But the most important thing that we need to do, and this is what this passage is about, is just remembering what it was like in the early days of your journey with Jesus. I'm not assuming that everyone here is born again. Please hear what I'm I'm saying. But for those that are, what was it like in the early days? What was it like in the early days with Jesus? Can, can I ask you this? Do you remember what it was like to be lost? Is that a strange question to ask? I think sometimes as believers, we need to remember what it was like to be lost. Remember what it was like to really, for me, just to be just captivated by fear and, and, and insecurity, the feelings of hopelessness? Maybe your story is like it's just like something was just missing, there was a longing. Do you remember what it was like to be lost? Because I think we have to, before we can really remember the sweetness of our salvation, remember what it was like to be lost. Secondly, do you remember what it was like when you were found? Do you? Do you remember what it was like spiritually when you were found? Like the overwhelming joy peace, purpose, freedom, fear. It's not that it completely went away, but it was just so different that you weren't just paralyzed anymore and you wanted everyone to know. Do you remember what it was like in those early days for, to, to be found? I've got a dude in my life. He's so cool and I just, I just love him. And he just recently came to faith in Christ a, about a month ago. And man, I'm telling you what, it is so good to be around a new Christian. It is so good because he is so fired up. He is reading the Bible, and he's telling folks about what he's re- He's seen it for the first time. And he, the only thing is he can't understand why everybody's not as excited as he is. I mean, I had a phone conversation with him for 45 minutes. He's preaching to me. He's been a believer for two weeks at that time. And he is just telling me, man, he's just letting me have it, just going on and on about all the goodness of Christ and who he is and what he's done. And I'm just like, who are you? And, 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 and it just struck me, Jesus, I want to go back there. man. I want to go back. That's how I want to live my life with just this reignited passion for that first love. That's what happened in Ephesus. They forgot their first love. And, and, and the scripture says, Jesus is really saying this. To, to, he, he wants to challenge a church that worked hard because the church at Ephesus was a hard-working church. But he wants them to remember that, remember, laboring for God is never a substitute for love for God. Does that make sense? Laboring for God is never a substitute for love for God. It is our love for God that should motivate everything we do, right? Not the other way around. And we need to remember that a love for God will always be seen in a love for others. This is so simple, but we miss it. This is the greatest commandment. Jesus was asked, what's the greatest commandment? And Jesus says the greatest commandment is this, Matthew chapter 22, that we should love the Lord our God with our heart, soul, and mind, and then love our neighbor as ourselves." How do you know how you're doing spiritually? Listen, I can tell the depth of your love for Christ by how you're loving other people and the church at Ephesus had lost their first love for Jesus and their love for other folks let's look at the second step remembering number one can I ask you this question do you think you can do that this week do you think you can just carve out some time in your schedule to just do nothing else but just remember what it was like in the early days with Jesus do you think you can do that That wasn't rhetorical. Yeah. It'll help you. You can do it in your marriage and all, all these, these areas. But here's the second step, repentance. Repentance is the hardest step in returning to our first love. This is what keeps so many of us from going back to that place of our first love. And it happens in marriage. Man, there are things that we have said and things that we have done that really have driven a wedge in our relationship. And, and turning back and just saying, baby girl, when I said that... That was wrong, that was selfish, that was hurtful. And I am so sorry. I, I, I don't want to do that again. Just confessing that, repenting of those things that we have, have said. Um, in our relationship with Christ, it's super important to do that. But it is the hardest thing to do, the hardest thing to do. And watch this. This is going to be important. You see this? Our first love starts to fade in the shadow of our idol's and our attitudes. Let's talk about this for a moment. This is what we need to repent of if we're going to get back to the first love. Our first love fades in the shadow of our idols. Man, I grew up in the, in the 80s. You remember cars in the 80s? They were huge, massive. My buddy had an Impala. Uh, it didn't have bucket seats. It had the bench seat. You remember those? You could go easily three deep, right? There occasionally four deep in the front. Right? That's just how we did it. I mean, I can remember being in the front of that car in the spring of the year, driving around Murfreesboro, windows down, Pat Benatar, Benatar on an 8-track. Nice. The only problem was when we picked up the fourth person. Somebody's got to go where? They go to the back. somebody go the back. Right? You just, don't, you just don't go four deep. You could, but you don't. So somebody goes to the back. That's what an idol is. That's what an idol is. It's An idol is something that just, just kind of... It just edges Jesus out slowly to the back. Because when we first fall in love with Christ, when we first come to know him, we're completely dependent upon him. We think about him all the time. I mean, he is, he is, he is the first of our time. I mean, I mean, we just can't get enough of Jesus. And then slowly but surely it happens this way. We meet a girl. And she's amazing, and we begin to depend upon her, and she gets the best of us. And slowly but surely, it just kind of edges Jesus out. We might have children, which are a great thing, and we get so, so immersed in what's going on in their life and their schedule. We're all about that, and we're depending on them really for our life. And slowly but surely, we just begin to edge Jesus out. Or maybe it's a career, and we kind of get into that job that we've been looking for and we've been training for, and we just give our best there in our career. We're sort of depending upon that. That's really what an idol is and slowly but surely it just edges Jesus to the back seat and what, what really happens is slowly but surely we lose that first love experience with Christ because we're really starting to depend on other things and, and idols don't necessarily have to be bad. We can move to some things that are super dysfunctional. You know, it, it, it can be substances in our life or immorality in our life, th- th- those kind of things and they will certainly edge Jesus out and so what needs to happen is we need to repent of that, Right? Those things that are kind of filling our schedule, taking the bulk of our time. Hobbies can be that way. Watch this. Man, I have wrestled with that in my life. I mean, hobbies, activities can be a good thing, but they begin to take over many times in our life. And slowly but surely, we just edge Jesus out. And so if you want to recapture first love, listen, listen, some of you do. I, 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 I read you. You're listening to me. I read you. Some of you aren't there yet. Some of you aren't there. It'll take some brokenness for you to get there. I understand that. You know what? Good preaching doesn't change people, right? I'm not saying that what I'm doing is good preaching. I'm just saying if it was, still doesn't change people, right? It is only the Holy Spirit and brokenness that really changes people, right? Just when you just get tired, sick and tired of feeling the way you are and you want something else. Some of you aren't there yet. This is a great place to come back to when you're ready, right? Right? Now now watch this, some of you right now are thinking, you know what, I'm so glad you're talking about that, because people in this church need to hear that, their schedules have been filled with so many things, you know what, uh, they tailgate at the Titans games and don't come to church, they follow their kids around doing all the sports, and they don't ever come to church, and we're here every week, and so they needed to hear that. Thank you, Pastor. It's about to get real. You know what uh, is an idol that's often missed? And it was, here's what's happening in Ephesus. Religion can become an idol. Religion becomes an idol when it's motivated by obligation, not love. That's where the people in Ephesus were. Their religion, their knowledge of truth became an idol. And they were super, super judgmental of others. So watch this, watch this, don't miss it. You have to repent of the idols in your life, but also the attitudes. And, and for some of you it is an attitude of self-righteousness of pride and contempt that is really causing you to lose your first love man that that's where i can get in in my life because i can look around at the world and i can see some messed up junk and man, I, I don't even get on social media it's just i, I don't even need that right but we can just be so filled. we can be a church that, that is just filled with contempt for all the sin in the world. And that's where the church at Ephesus was. Man, they believed the right stuff, but they were just mad at everybody. They didn't have love for people. And Jesus comes to them and says, Unless you repent and get back to your first love, you're going to lose your light. Look at this verse, Matthew chapter 24. I'm going to go pretty quick here. Matthew chapter 24. Matthew chapter 24, Jesus is talking about what it's going to be like at the end times. It's a great chapter to read along with, with Revelation. In verse 12, Jesus says, And because lawlessness will be increased, wickedness will increase. That's what was happening in Ephesus. It's what happens today. And because wickedness increases, watch the church's response, the love of many will grow cold. We look at the lawlessness and the wickedness of so many people have different views from us, whether that's politically or morally or whatever, and we're just so filled with contempt. Our love for them will grow cold. But the Lord says, but the one who endures will be saved. That's what was going on in Ephesus. They had so much anger and contempt For the wickedness of the day, they were intolerant of sin, which they should have been, but they were also intolerant of the sinner, which was a major problem, and that's where we are today. As a church, many times, if we're not careful, we're a church that can be so filled with contempt. People who vote different from us, I mean, they post their political thoughts on social media, and you go nuts. Maybe there are mistakes that they've made in their life or, or whatever. Man, we can just be so filled with contempt. And I hear this all the time. Man, how am I supposed to love annoying people? People just drive me nuts, Pastor Brady. Do people drive you crazy. Well, that's pretty good. And then how, how do you just love difficult people? How do you love annoying people? Well, first of all, let me share this verse with you. If you came to New Vision about 20 years ago, you would have heard this verse every single Sunday, John 13, 35. Jesus says, by this will everyone know that you're my disciple if you have love one for another. What should define us as Christians is our love for others. Sound doctrine lived out in strong love for other people. Because anything that draws me away from loving people will ultimately cost me my first love. You see that? Well, people annoy me. Can I tell you something? If God has a list of the top ten most annoying people, I'm not so sure that I'm not there or just outside there. I think about my own life. I have to have been super annoying to a loving, holy, and righteous God. I don't know. I'm not talking about you. I'm just talking about me. But here's my journey I think it is super hypocritical for me to not extend grace to annoying people when God has extended grace to me, an annoying person. I don't know. This is what happened in in Ephesus. And and so you still say, well, how do we do it? Because it's so hard. How do you love difficult, People, man, people that are just, just, just messed up. Look at Romans chapter five, verse five. Paul says, and hope does not disappoint us and hope does not put us to shame because God's love has been poured out into our hearts through the Holy Spirit whom he has given to us. Watch this. Here's how you love difficult people. You have to understand that God's unconditional love has been poured out to you, and now it needs to go through you to other people. This is what the church at Ephesus forgot. Love comes to us and then through us. And loving a difficult person is not hard. It's impossible. That's why we need the power of the Holy Spirit. God, I can't, but you can. That's a great thing to say in so many areas of your life. It'll help you so much. God, I can't, but you can. And I believe that your love has been poured out to me, and I want it to go through me to somebody else. And listen, when we love the unlovable, when we love an annoying person, we don't have to agree with what they say, but we can share the truth with them in love. When we love the annoying person, it is a great demonstration of the gospel of Jesus Christ. Do you see that? Loving the annoying people in our life is a great demonstration of the gospel of Jesus Christ. Now, let me summarize this. We need to be intolerant of sin, intolerant of sin, but tolerant of sinners. And I think we can, I think we can move, watch this, I think we can move from contempt to compassion how can we move from contempt for folks who bother us to having compassion? Listen, if a blind man is walking out into the middle of the road here and about to be run over, listen, I don't have contempt for him. I have compassion because he's blind. He can't see. And that's how I have to see people. If somebody is living in a contrary way to what the Bible says, I could take a stand for truth, but I see them as blind, dead spiritually. Dead spiritually. And except, watch this, except for the grace of God in my life, I would have been as bad as them or worse. That's my story. And we know we're drifting away from our first love when our lives are characterized by contempt instead of compassion. That's what the church at Ephesus needed to repent of. Remember how it was at the beginning, repent of idols and attitudes. Father, break my heart for people again. Father, help me see people the way you see people. And then finally, last thing, and we'll be done, the repeating. Repeat the works you did at first. Repeating the works we did at first is the final step in recapturing our first love. Repeating the works we did at first is the final step in recapturing our first love. Straight from Scripture. Now, here's the thing. We don't feel our way to actions. We talk about this all the time at New Vision. We don't feel our way to actions. We act our way to feelings. I woke up on Friday morning, Thursday night after the service. I'm tired. I'm kind of cranky. I got Talladega Speedway going around in my bedroom with this little dog. And I woke up, and, man, I'm just kind of grumpy. You ever have mornings like that? Anyways, I do. I just want to go to donut country. That's where I wanted to go. And my wife puts out steel-cut oatmeal for me. And I eat steel-cut oatmeal, and I go and work out, not because I feel like it. I didn't feel like it at all. But we, do, we, do, we don't feel our way to actions. We act our way to feeling. And that is so important in any relationship. Repeat the works you did at first. I remember, I, re, I can remember the car that Amy drove when she was in college. It's a, 19, a mid-1980s Mercury Tracer. Anybody remember the old Mercury Tracer? There's a reason why you don't remember it. They don't make it anymore. Haven't made it for a long time. It was a color, two-tone blue. They don't make that color anymore. And uh, He said, why are you telling me that? Because I can remember in the spring of the year, every other Friday I'm going and getting on a bus with all my teammates to head out for the weekend to play. I just remember walking up that parking lot and seeing that blue Mercury Tracer. And there are times uh, just taking a note card and and, and a little note and putting it there on the the windshield wipers of that car to tell her how I feel about her, how I I love her. Because she'd done that for me. And some of you, like in the first service, why didn't you just text her? Because we couldn't. Right? It It was 1990. We were men then. That was a joke. I was just kidding. Don't, no, no. Um. And then getting on that bus with teammates, which I see one of them, I'm not going to look at them. And listen, can you imagine what 18 to 21-year-old guys would say to another guy who's putting a note on a girl's windshield? No bueno, right? But you don't care, right? You don't care because you're in love. And we do things that we're, when we're in love. We write notes. We talk sweet, gentle, flowers, dates, all those things. We pursue, pursue, pursue. And I think for some of us as men, we need to repeat the things we did at first and watch as love will be reignited. But in our relationship with Christ, repeating the basic disciplines of the faith will reignite your love with Jesus. What are the things you did at the first right? Can you think about that? What are some things you did at the first? Remember when you came to worship because you wanted to be here? Remember when you, don't nod or raise your hand there. Remember when you came to worship because you wanted to praise a God who had saved you, and you weren't just looking at your watch and trying to squeeze in a worship service. It really defined you. It's what you wanted to do. You couldn't wait to worship the Lord, and you had an expectation that you never knew what God was going to do when you got there, and you wanted to bring other people with you. Remember what it was like at first? Repeat it. Remember that getting up in the morning, the first thing you thought about was wanting to spend some time in his word because you wanted to hear from him, you wanted to be with him, you wanted to spend time. Remember what it was like to pray in the early days. Do you remember? You just talked to him like he was just your daddy. And it wasn't churchy. We didn't use all these kind of elaborate words. It was just raw. as You were just praying about every single thing in your life that you were going through. And now you've gotten too spiritual and realize or you think God doesn't care about those things. But that's not the way it was at the first. Do you remember that? Repeat it. Repeat it. Remember when you wanted to talk to everybody who would listen about him? Do you remember that? Because of what he's done in your life. Remember, repent, and repeat. Remember when serving wasn't an obligation, it was an opportunity. Like, this is the thing that I hear all the time. I and mean, I'm going to say it and it's going to not go over well. Pastor Brady, we've done our time, church service. We've done our time. It's time for these younger whippersnappers to step up. Dude, that, that sounds so much like service done out of obligation. If you ever run track, what do they tell you to do through the tape? Run through the tape, right? Run through the tape. Wow. You run through the tape in service, not because you have to, but because you get to. That God has invited you to use, your, use some of your time to serve him and move the ball down the field. You see that? And in the early days, that kind of defines you, but we've got away from that. and consequently, we lost our first love. Remember, repent, and repeat. You know, the, one of the hardest things I'm going through in my life right now, Is someone that I love so, so deeply and have loved all of my life. She has a hard time remembering things. And it's so hard. It's it's so difficult. I leave her house many times and it's tough. She's forgetting things things that we shared together. Some of you have been through that. You know something worse? Some of you today have no memory. It's not because you forgot. It's because you have no memory. You never began. We talk about remembering and really... If there's a caption outside of your head right now, it would be, Remembering what? What are you talking about? Remembering what? I want to tell you something. We saw it in chapter 1. When John saw the unveiled Jesus, he fell as though dead. If you have had an encounter with him, I promise you one thing, he will remember that. And for some of you today, there's no memory because there is no story in the past to remember, but God wants to start one today, this Mother's Day 2019. In fact, some of you are here today because your mama wants you to be here today. That's why you're here, and I'm so glad you are. Some of you are here today because a grandmama's been praying for you for 30 years, and I'm so glad you're here. She wants you to know what she knows, and that happens when we surrender to the Jesus that she surrendered to. Remember, repent, and repeat. And there's a chance to recapture first love. Thanks for tuning in. If you enjoyed this message, we'd like to invite you to one of our Sunday morning services. We meet at 820, 940, and 11 a.m. If you would like more information or would like to watch or listen to more of our services, please visit us online at newvisionlive.com. This broadcast is brought to you by New Vision Baptist Church, where our mission is guiding people to lives of gospel transformation.